This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech and Agents, a bonus episode from For Tech's Sake, where we tear some problematic tech to shreds. I'm Elaine Burke. And I'm Jenny Darmody. You might have noticed that we named the second episode of For Tech's Sake, Digitize, Disrupt, Destroy. And of course, it's tongue in cheek, but also not really. Yeah, I mean, Joan said some really important stuff about disruption and its destructive elements and how we need to ensure that the humans are involved in digitization, that we can consider the societal impact of some of this major transformation or else we're going to run into some problems. I'm going to have a bad time. going to have a bad time. And that's fine, right? That's one thing. That's grand. But then there is this absolutely stupid level of techifying and digitizing stuff that just isn't necessary at all. And this, this is the whole area of digital transformation that's the real crux of tech for tech's sake. I mean, I saw a tweet with a piece of tech that uses augmented reality, which is that functionality where, you know, you use your camera and while well, you view, use your camera as a viewfinder, you see something there that's not there, which is like a bit of fun when you're playing Pokemon Go or whatever and you want to see a Pokemon next to your table or whatever. But this is using that tech to show you a virtual preview of your dinner <laughs> which you're gonna get as you order it and I don't I, I know people who don't even like pictures on menus I was so like, just this gonna is, say it's always a sign of a bad restaurant yeah I hate like, it if I see a, if I see a menu that has pictures of the food I won't go near it so it's like, the hologram is not gonna entice me <laughs> who's asking for this who who wants this no one like it, and then digital transformation as well. Like it's such a buzzword it's opened up an absolute stampede of companies creating new air quotes because they say it's new but they're playing fast and loose with that term Malibu Stacey with a new hat all over the shop and these supposed new hats claim to be the next frontier of communication or remote working or whatever it may be and what you actually have is it's an app it's just an app being applied to something that already exists a lot of the time congratulations like or you've made an instant messaging platform cool we've had that since the 90s Uh, I'm all for competition and alternative services but don't pretend you're reinventing the wheel here yeah and also don't reinvent the wheel ain't nothing wrong with the wheel just there's nothing (laughs) wrong with the wheel I'm a big fan of the wheel I'm a big fan of the wheel but also if it ain't broke don't fix it I'm a big fan of that mantra as well I'm a firm believer in you know that with a small asterisk I'm not saying nobody can make anything new ever Um, companies can't stay still they have to strive for innovation improvement is a good thing it should be on the agenda absolutely but the sheer panic to move with the times and companies end up just doing things just so that they can be seen to be doing things. And this calls back to what we mentioned in for TechSafe, which is disrupt does not mean improve. Sometimes those digitalization people not only try to fix the thing that isn't broken, but actually end up breaking it more. Like, oh, okay, this is a really silly example, but it makes me really mad. So I'm just going to go with it anyway. If you could cast your mind back, right? All the way back to when we had really (laughs) old school printers, right? Let's call them analog printers just for the crack, right? These are the ones that were literally plugged into your computer with one cord. They didn't even know what an internet was, right? Are you back there with me? Yeah, dumb printers. Dumb printers, yeah. So you need to print something on this dumb printer. And oh no, you're out of black ink and you really need the thing printed and you don't have time to go down to the shop and get a new black ink. So what would you do back in the day? Print in colour. Print in colour, maybe a nice cyan, maybe a nice dark magenta, perhaps. Whatever's left. <laughs> Whatever is left. Maybe not yellow. Nobody can read that yet. Can't do that now. Can't do that now because suddenly one ink cartridge runs out and it's all like, no, no, 
we stick together. That bitch has to replace you. She wants any of us to work. And I know it's a reasonable example, but I feel like that's how all printers work now. And it's bad enough when you run out of black. But if you run out of yellow, <laughs> you can't print in black anymore. And this is what's really annoying about the so-called evolution of the printer. They've made them smarter to make them more irritating for us. I mean, printers just have always been a source of annoyance for people, haven't they? I, I don't I don't have that attitude to printers that seems to be prevalent among people. I don't hate on printers, but I do hate on this idea that's obviously in the interest of companies selling the ink yeah. rather than the user. Like, that's not useful to me as a user. And that's the problem generally with digital transformation because it can inc- increase this whole idea of induced demand for things that are not good long term. So take Uber, for example, of that, which is a tech company. That's an app, by the way. <laughs> you made an app. It's an app. Good job. Um, Uber isn't about easing traffic problems or supporting public transport in neglected areas or even truly reducing carbon emissions because it's still cars, my friend, even if it's car sharing. What Uber is about is capitalizing on our desire for convenience. Yeah. And that term induced demand when it comes to urban planning means that when you make things convenient for people, it won't necessarily solve a volume demand. So you increase roadway capacity because of congestion, right? Then more people drive. Then you have more congestion. And the same goes here. You increase the convenience of getting a car from door to door for short journeys. And there you go. More people are doing something that's not going to help issues of congestion, pollution and poorly supported public transport services. Because I tell you, if more CEOs took buses, you would see them improve. Oh, I wish. And it is sort of like the snaky in itself, isn't it? And speaking of vehicles, like the intensive integration of tech into everything, including cars, makes them so much less sustainable on their own anyway. They're harder to repair, for instance. Even tractors are being commuterized to the point where they can't be repaired easily by the actual farmers that use them. Don't piss off the farmers. I said this already. They will come for you. Mechanics, always better than electronics when it comes to fixes. Yeah, I think. Exactly. But also, it's not just the tractors, as I said. Like, it is the cars. There's too much tech in cars in general and repair jobs become really, really complicated for everyone involved. It's a bit like Pimp My Ride. Do you remember? Pimp My Ride. Like, there's a jacuzzi in the back where you can play your PS5, but you can only drive five kilometres an hour and your indicators don't work properly because actually they're covered in diamonds. Or they're connected to some software that's had a bug and a failure and all that kind of crack. Like, you bring your car in for an NCT now uh, or even just a checkup with a mechanic and, like, the mechanic's not... IT. Yeah. Like they often don't know what's going on inside of these systems and a lot of them are proprietary mm. as well. You've got like BMW has their software and then Volvo has their software. It's just bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the revolt that's happening here with farmers learning how to jailbreak their yeah. tractors. So jailbreaking in the software world means removing restrictions that are intentionally put in place by the device manufacturer. They're meant to be guardrails to keep you safe, but also they restrict you essentially. So you would jailbreak a phone to install an app not approved by the App Store. For example, PSA, don't do that unless you know what you're doing. Um, I'm not going to go into all that. Just don't do it. I'm not recommending it. Um, but farmers... Uh, and I do think this is cool, are jailbreaking their tractors just to make them functional again, like to work the way they used to. They don't have to get John Deere IT technician to their rural farm to fix a glitch that's holding up a whole harvest. Like, And if you jailbreak something, you can do other stuff. So one farmer actually installed Doom on his tractor. Doom? And played it. He played Doom. What a legend. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> and the thing about this as well is, like, technology fails a lot. And troubleshooting is not as common a skill as it should be in a world that is overwhelmed by tech. It's one of the basic skills I think we're really not being taught, probably on purpose. Coming Mm. back to the printer analogy, because 
seriously, printers make me really mad. <laughs> it also shows that there are limits to how we can transform things with tech. So, you know, this is not necessarily a thing that people are choosing not to fix on purpose, but printers get paper jams in them. And that's just a thing that continues to happen. A few years ago, there was a piece in The New Yorker called Why Paper Jams Persist. And it was this gloriously nerdy long read about engineers literally sitting in a room trying to solve this seemingly simple problem of paper getting jammed in printers. And I reread the piece recently and I found two really interesting things about it in relation to digital transformation. Firstly, the writer of the piece, Joshua Rothman is his name, he asked the engineers if they could envisage a future in which paper jams didn't exist. And one of them said he thinks it is possible because, and I quote, for the right amount of money, you can build lots of redundant systems. Which brings it back to tech for tech's sake. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like an optimistic thing, but it's also super, super grim. Um... But interestingly, another engineer said no. He didn't think it was possible because it's paper and there will always be something unpredictable about paper that will cause a jam. And this, I think, is a key element of digital transformation that people tend to forget because they want to disrupt, they want to transform all the way. And they're forgetting that you can actually only do so much, even if you try, you can't necessarily fix every problem. And in that piece, Joshua described paper jams as a trivial consequence of an otherwise efficient technology that's been made monumentally annoying by the scale on which that technology has been adopted. And the thing is, I don't think this is just exclusive to the software industry, but I think a lot of software is built on the expectation of perfect use. Yeah, and everything going swimmingly and that's like fucking never the case with like anything yeah. so like yeah you can build a printer that works well but like a bit of dust or something like causes the paper to jam itself in there mm-hmm. and it gets wrecked and like users are like that users are like paper <laughs> they they misbehave and they do whatever the fuck they want and they will you, you will give them a clear set of instructions and they will half follow it at best <laughs> like it, it's built as if we are programmable as well. Yeah. And end users are so not programmable. But you know what else annoys me about printers? Go on. Let's just spend 40 minutes ranting about printers. I love it. I'm here for it. We really could. But is that printers have borrowed the software as a service model. That's hugely popular for tech businesses now. Mm -hmm. And like you hear like there's software as a service or SaaS is the most common term, but then there's like infrastructure as a service, platforms as a service. And I was like, what's wrong with just calling them platforms? I heard <laughs> one that was culture as a service. It's just, oh, you got, you made a business. <laughs> like this is the new term for I have, I've, I've got this concept and I've made a business around it. And it was like, people have to sexify it with terms like as a service now. It draws my head in. Anyway, that model is essentially subscription-based. You yeah. know, that's what it is. And they've made printing subscription based yeah you have to pay a monthly fee for a printer or it's ink supplies instead of just buying the cartridges right when you need them I'm pretty sure I have a, a printer ink subscription because it was the seemingly the most convenient and the only way I could it, like honestly for anyone I know who's tried to acquire a printer in the past couple of years that seems to be the only route you can go down now mm. so there's no like you own a printer at home you rent ink yeah, to a printer that you bought. Uh, like, that's my bugbear with increased digitization is being used to erase the concept of ownership of the things we pay for. So basically another shitty renter's market. Just what the world needs. <laughs> look at look at all your media. Like We're way more likely to stream music yeah. than to buy it. Even if you pay for downloads via like Apple Music, music or something like that, it's still managed by Apple. And you use it within the parameters that they dictate. There was definitely a case. One of the first, one of the earlier stories I would have written about, I think, at Silicon Republic was about Bruce Willis getting really mad about iTunes, as it was then known. 
still technically owning his music. I'm pretty sure it was Bruce Willis. It was definitely like some famous person got mad about this and I think was like taking legal action against it, being like, no, I paid for this music. And just because it's still in your system, why don't I own it? But you don't, because that's like the terms and conditions that you sign up for with these services. You don't outright own like you would with a CD or a DVD that you bought or those other relics from the past that you can pick up in charity shops these days. So basically, we have a bunch of stuff we don't need that we don't own and that we can't fix. Yep. And we'll all keep buying into it. Why? Because we're tech and agents. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tech and Egypt, our bonus content from For Tech's Sake, a co-production from Silicon Republic and the Headstuff Podcast Network. Remember, you can listen to all of the brilliant bonus content from across the Headstuff Podcast Network, and you really should. And you can follow us at Silicon Republic and at For Tech's Sake Pod on your preferred social platform. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.